0: Hi, all Welcome to another episode of Dunonomics, the podcast where three guys hash it out over economic issues. We are your hosts, Tommy,
1: Ryan, and Michael.
0: Today, we will be talking about the hot topic of free higher education in America.
1: Given the current political climate and the emergence of presidential candidates touting campaign promises, the policy of free higher education has resurged as a topic of renewed interest. We as politically involved citizens want to understand the economic impact of free universal higher education in the United States. Considering that this is a currently debated topic in American politics, it will be important to analyze the various components of this extra government provision, such as redistribution, crowd out, research methodology, positive externalities, financing, and implementation. This economic perspective will supplement existing political arguments on universal education to inquire if the additional government spending is worthwhile given the expected socioeconomic benefits of such a policy. As always, we welcome the insights of experts in the field. Michael, who do we have for today?
2: Today, we'll be speaking with Professor Laura W. Penner, who is the James S. Wright Professor at the University of Pennsylvania and the Executive Director of the Alliance for Higher Education and Democracy. Also, we had the pleasure of speaking with Professor Nicole B. Simpson, who is the W. Bradford Wiley Professor of Economics at Colgate University. Professor Simpson researches economic issues of immigration and education and is the co-author of Default Risk and Private Student Loans, Implications for Higher Education Policies. Ryan, what do you think are important in the discussion of free higher education?
1: One important aspect of universal higher education is redistribution. There is still a large discrepancy between social classes and the feasibility of individuals completing college. More specifically, poor Americans are much more likely to not finish college, given if they're even admitted, which is at much lower rates than upper-class individuals. Providing free college could go a long way to mitigate the structural difference. However, this policy would relatively benefit upper-middle-class individuals much more who may not necessarily need as much tuition assistance.
3: Students and parents are feeling um, the price of college education Mm -hmm. that... They may be not eligible for some of the more generous grants and loans and so they have to find other sources if they haven't done a good job of saving for college education or haven't been able to because of, you know, life circumstances, health things, you know, job loss, all sorts of reasons. Um, Yeah, they're the ones that I think are fairly price sensitive. So, um, and again, you know, schools can do a better job in in reevaluating financial situations of of families. Some of the elite schools like Colgate will do that. Other schools can't and don't, can't afford to do that sort of thing. And so, so yeah, absolutely. I think um, those who are most price sensitive are middle income and upper middle middle income. I would say families and their students.
1: As Professor Simpson notes, Those more likely to be affected are middle income and higher income earners who are not necessarily the targeted group of a universal education system michael what other issues do you think we should consider
2: ryan there will certainly be some crowd out experienced by a free universal education system along with issues of efficiency professor simpson believes that our system works fairly efficiently how it is now minus the growing cost for many with very high tuition rates she argues that the real need for reform is in this funding for K-12, K through 12, which is locally funded through property taxes, which causes big gaps in funding and quality.
3: So, anytime the government, whether it's the federal or state, provides more, you know, funding or more subsidies, uh, for higher education, it will crowd out. I mean, there's no question there. There's Going to be crowding out, um, so it's just a matter of who's paying for it and are the incentives aligned. And so um, I think, again, like I mentioned, I think uh, the government should focus on really improving our K through 12 education system, which has big problems in this uh, country because it's all funded locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our system of higher education, more or less, is working. Right there's some problems um, like access, but uh, but. And higher prices, uh, which are driving out some students from participating in those. Um, but still, I think the government's role, at least in this country, should be focusing on more equitable K-12 through systems.
2: Hence, we see that there might be a large opportunity cost of the proposed projects, as any additional funding on free higher education might be better spent on addressing the issues with K-12 through education.
0: On the other hand... The current system of financial aid is already very redistributional in nature. While free higher education may help to redistribute even more, one could argue the bigger issue to tackle currently is the misinformation about the current system of college financing, where individuals are unaware of the large grants that they could acquire at top universities. When we spoke with Professor Simpson about it, here's what she had to say. Higher education,
3: college education, which has skyrocketed, right? Mm. Of course, Colgate like said, you know, yeah, yeah. among the leaders there, near $70,000 <laughs> a year with everything. Uh, that's the ticket price. Not very many people pay the full ticket price. yeah. yeah. And our system in this country, you know, if you think about it, uh, is is a system of distribution. So uh, people who can afford uh, that that price of college, right, are effectively subsidizing lower income students. And so um, that's the reality of higher education. Um, it is distributional, and it's set up, and its pricing, um, and not everybody pays the ticket. You know, the 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 price that's advertised
0: even in the presence of this redistributional system. Michael, what are the positive externalities
2: of increased educational access? Here, yeah, Tommy, uh, the positive externalities arise from an aggregate increase in educational attainment. Individuals who enroll in and complete higher education on average benefit from higher earnings, longer lives and better health, all else equal. Additionally, society benefits from a higher tax base reduced reliance on social welfare programs, reduced crime, increased technological advancements, a more productive workforce, and increased civic and political engagement from a more informed electorate. Based on these benefits, we asked Professor Simpson whether the focus should be on increasing college enrollment or quality. Here's what she said.
3: For higher education it's different for pre you know K through 12 education. Mm-hmm. I would say um, our goal in the US I think should be to increase enrollment rates right now about 25 percent of the population has a college degree, more start college than that uh, but still that's fairly low compared to um, other developed countries where mm-hmm. they have different uh, higher education systems and so I, I would say if we can get more enrollment but also more graduating with a with a college degree and whether that could be a two-year or a four-year degree i think that should be the goal i do think the quality of our higher education system in the u.s is top-notch it's one of the best of the world mm-hmm. we should have more students enrolling and so there's questions of access which we can talk about um, but also getting more students finishing their college degree
2: Here. Professor Simpson acknowledges that increasing total enrollment should be our main focus. This is certainly possible through free higher education. But tell me, what else should we consider?
0: Another consideration is that the federal government is already continuously running a deficit in spending with an ever-growing national debt. Even if Universal College is a good idea, it may be just too costly at this time for the United States federal government to implement. We asked Professor Perna about how we could better understand the financing of free higher education in the country, and here's what she had to say.
4: You know, one of the really, really important questions with regard to these programs has to do with financial sustainability. Um, and you know, one. So we were talking about international comparisons a moment ago, but you know, in the U.S., each state really, you know, we can do some interesting comparisons state right? Given you know, each state for the structure of government in the U.S. has responsibility for the education of its own citizens. Each state has its own structure for higher education, its own historical, political, demographic context that influences policy and the role of higher education in the state. Um, and so, you know, some of the states that have established free tuition are taking very different approaches to funding it also. And Um, So I think paying attention to what the funding mechanisms are and then thinking through the range of implications both from a government and taxpayers perspective and then an individual perspective is important.
0: Based on that, we see that an in-depth cross-state and historical analysis of finances would yield a better understanding of tuition funding than at the national
1: level. Ryan, what current data do we have? There is emerging research regarding free higher education, but there is still a problem of lack of economic data about free education policies in the United States, given how recent these programs are. We asked Professor Perner about this, and she said...
4: Yes, yeah, so, um, you know, I think there are a number of researchers who are paying attention to these policies and really trying to understand um, many different aspects of them. So. One example, I have a um, book that I'm editing with a colleague, Ed Smith, that will be published in uh, probably June or July, and so it's a collection of 12 different studies that look at different aspects of free college and college promise programs. And so the studies are looking at, um, you know, the effects of these programs on enrollment, uh, some, some of these are, many of these programs are too new to know whether they're they are influencing uh, degree completion, but um, there is some emerging research on their effects on persistence from the first to the second year. There are also some studies that are examining um, what we know about how different ways in which the programs are being designed and structured, how that influences outcomes for students.
2: Additionally, there are issues with accounting for variations across programs which can only be partly tackled by certain econometric practices, such as a difference-in-difference estimator and quasi-experiments. More specifically, these methods are useful for cross-country comparisons and how they could potentially have different results for successful programs around the world or in the United States. From
1: our research and discussion with experts in the field of education economics, we believe that a universal higher education policy would be beneficial for closing socioeconomic gaps in the United States. However, we believe it would be best to invest more in the current systems we have for higher education rather than a complete overhaul of our higher education system. Our current systems work fairly efficiently and is already very progressive, but more could be done to improve educational outcomes for all students. Furthermore, the government should be primarily focused on alleviating inequality in K-12 education, which can lead to greater college preparedness and higher college enrollment rates. Forthcoming research will provide us with more clarity on the exact magnitudes of the different considerations of free universal higher education. Well, that's all we have for this week. Tune in next week for another edition of Dudenomics.